All right. I think we're here. We are. Hello. Welcome to another debrief. Here with uh, CGG with myself, Emzo, and Helby. Here to just talk about the previous week. Kind of recap what uh, what went on, what went down, what's cool, what's interesting. Yeah, I think overall jazz. it was a pretty uh, boring week. Not much happened. Not sure if there's sarcasm there. It was definitely an interesting week for uh, for Group Bs, at least. That's for sure. Yeah, on the EU it was fun, but NA? I don't think uh, we've had any surprise on that side. Well, I mean, I think the surprise was CLG just getting wrecked yeah. super hard. Like, uh, interestingly enough, the, the, the whole, like, uh, we'll put England on fragging roll goes negative six, just gets stomped. Like, that was, I don't know if that was a move out of desperation or what, but uh, clearly did not work at all. Well, they need to figure something out, because right now it's just, there's something that's not working well for them, and they just, they can't seem to put the finger on it reason they, they, they they've been struggling for uh for quite a while now in a couple season not season but a couple match especially with the invitational where they didn't get that far i mean i would have thought after invitational they would have practiced a little harder and maybe they did i don't know what exactly what they did but the change-ups they made just definitely did not work you know, i mean uh not everyone saw the end of that match as the uh oh yeah cut out and you had to watch Stream it in the pod, out, but true. uh that was a pretty intense one, and I mean, Rogue obviously though have been getting stronger. I they they did change up Avian for Geo, and Geo didn't overperform. But if you look at Geo's stats, he had the same KD as the top player on CLG, and he was the bottom player on uh, on Rogue in terms of stats. So it's just like wow, like they were really doing bad on CLG. So even Geo like potatoing tons of shots still was was better than they were doing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see that Rogue is still performing pretty well, even though they just switched a player. I mean, it's fair to assume they practiced with him before before the announcement came in anyway. But uh, they've been doing well. I mean, next game is against SK, and that's going to be an interesting one. It's only yeah, April the 2nd, though. SK performed pretty well, I think. Yeah, uh, oh, dude, Pojo the first couple of rounds. Pojo. Pojo, yeah, that was his, his big debut, I would say, in terms that of like, was... really showing up. Like that was that was a good game for him. Yeah, that was good. Also, seeing a little bit of mint on Blitz, that was uh, was doing a good job. It was fun. It was a fun game for sure. One that I enjoyed, even though it was a two zero. I, I I'd assume Mouse would have performed a little bit better than that, but overall, they they gave a, they gave a pretty good fight. Yeah, they didn't perform too bad, but it was definitely yeah SK winning that. I mean, a two zero obviously doesn't necessarily tell you no. like the individual score doesn't lines tell you and like lot. how close rounds were. Doesn't tell Pojo you definitely had to clutch some of those out. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the first one, just to start with, that was pretty, a pretty big clutch. It yeah, definitely set the right tone the of the game. Yeah, definitely set the tone of the game. It was an interesting oh. one, but uh, I think the, the biggest, like, upset was on EU this, uh, this week. The one-up uh, ends, I'm assuming you're talking about. Oh yeah, I did not uh, see that coming. Wilkie seems pretty confident too, and it's it's interesting going into that because at the Invitational talking to Wilkie, he was excited about the season because he was finally going to be able to uh, quit his full time job and get enough uh, yeah. from from I think his org to be able to cover his expenses and be able to practice full time. And he was bottom fragging hard. 
I mean, Wilkie being the IGL doesn't always have to frag, but mm -hmm. he was definitely not performing up to his usual expectations, which was surprising, mm -hmm. given they had the time to practice. In theory, they didn't make any big change-ups. Uno they'd played with and he played well before. It just... I think Wilkie bottom fragging is, is generally going to be when they do bad. Like, it's just not good for them at all. And one-up were playing with their coach as a sub, Lotso. And not, not that yeah. he wasn't a player before. But... That was like That was the big surprise. I mean, he was he was a negative six, so he didn't do great, but he did his job on support roles. He was playing stuff like Lion and Dokubi, where he could support his attacks mm -hmm. without necessarily being the fragger. Well, I mean, if uh, I mean, if you're the support, let's say you're Thermite, you don't get much kills, but if the wall is open every single round, you need it to be open. I mean, the job is done. You don't need to get kills. Well, that didn't stop Avian from getting dropped. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people. Though, there's was, there's probably I'm... other stuff like in. Take into yeah, consideration, because sometimes it's just chemistry not meshing up as well as you think Maybe it would. Maybe Ranger, he's in the chat, he could deal the dirt. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless... Uh, but he, a 2-0 like that, that was surprising. And I yeah. think it's fair to imagine they'll do even better with KS. I can so. only imagine, because he's definitely been a strong force on there. But it's, it's like the rest of the team has really kind of got their act together with some of the change-ups they made on the roster and the experience they got from Invitationals oh, and yeah, Qualifiers. Oh, that's, that's big. Seems really paid up. Also, you have to keep in mind, though, some, a big factor is 1UP was ready for this meta, and Ents clearly was not. Like, Ents yeah. just was still not really into how to play this meta. And we had people like Hungry, who were obviously into the Ying meta. Lotso was just fine playing the Lion. So it was just, it was, they were just much more ready for it. Mm -hmm. And they, they showed that. It, it obviously, it, it paid off in terms of, like, I mean, freaking, obviously Hungry played Ying every time. <laughs> yeah. But it was just, I don't know. It, it just shows, like, you got to adapt over time. You can't really be like, oh, we won Brazil. So, like, we've got it together. We just kind of messed up on, you know, invitationals. We can change it back, but. Damn. Yeah, well, adaptation is just going to be, a, like, a big factor the more we get in the next season. It's, uh. You're going to have to be able to adapt mid-game. And even before the game starts, because if you have a plan in mind and then the operators in which the plan relies on gets banned, well, you need plan B, plan C, plan D, and plan Z if you need it. Because yeah. it's going to be moving a lot more. It's going to be interesting. But now that players can actually play the game full-time, well, at least more than a year ago anyway, uh, I think we're going to see great quality of games the more we go in the next season. And with that in mind, it's kind of crazy that uh, next week some teams are going to be out of uh, the season already. Yeah, get knocked out. That's it's going to be uh, unfortunate for them. There's quite a few good teams too. It's like some of them, some of them will get knocked out. Yeah. That, but I think we're seeing a bigger gap this season in terms of the top teams versus some of the bottom ones than we used to. Like it used to be the case, like year one, top four was like just completely different mm -hmm. league almost than bottom four. Whereas uh, that had changed for a while, but in this current meta, like the people who can play to this uh, are just miles ahead of the people who can't play to it. Like you see, just off of the ability to use Lion correctly, yeah, is a is a big differentiator. Same with Blitz as well. Or even not... shut him down properly, because uh, yeah. we we've seen a lot of strategy that relies on pure aggression more than before. Anyway, and I think the yeah. the operators pick kind of show it in some ways. Yeah, the operator pick rate had a big change this uh, this week. I mean, some of it's due to a totally different set of teams playing, but I think some of it's due to the meta like still being figured out. I know we use the word meta too much on Pro League as well, and just, I don't know. It's one of those things, I don't know how else to describe it. Just 
the current climate, I guess. <laughs> but uh, but it's definitely shifted this week, and that's like yeah. a lot of people kind of playing things differently. So, uh, for example, looking at the infographic, which is out now, uh, there's some interesting things on it. I think overall, in terms of like operator pick rates, you're pointing out. So like Blitz went down a lot. From Blitz, 50- that's good because it's annoying to see play. It's not it's yeah. not compelling gameplay. And then, like, Legion, surprisingly down quite a bit. It might just be due to other operators being picked up in his stead. But going from 47 to 27, surprisingly, maybe people just aren't getting the value out of him, they would hope. But I think that could also just be down to different teams playing. Um, and then Blackbeard down as well, 20 to 1%. That's that's a pretty big drop. Harsh. just don't want to play Blackbeard, no. I guess. It's just I mean, there's just other people to pick. Like right now, people are shifting around operator picks so much. But you got to keep in mind also, this is like there was teams, for example, that were like one up that were bringing a ton of ying. Yeah, I mean, it's also dependent on the maps that are being played too. We've we've seen a lot of bank. Yeah, bank. That's something we haven't seen in the previous season a whole lot. Or at least not as much as we, we are this season anyway. Yeah, it definitely shifted around. So, like, Oregon's just dead this week. Like like I was saying on the broadcast, I think people are figuring out Oregon just wasn't working out that great in the current meta and just straight up skipping it. And moving to maps like Bank, where they can roam a little bit better without having to worry as much about Lion, I think, is, is the big thing is uh, it's got a 52% defense win rate because the roaming works a little bit better, especially if you can shut down someone like Jackal that's usually trying to track you. It's you're, You can't be as effective on stopping the roam as you can on something like Oregon, where there's a lot of cutoff points where you can cut off rotations yeah. and get a lot better map control. And Cafe, interestingly as well, though, has been the top pick. Cafe is, you know, it hasn't changed much. It's always the same thing. You go take red, you take piano, you move towards the bomb site if it's up, and if it's down, you slowly move down to get there. Um, it's not a map that I like to play to watch, but playing it, it's I, it's kind of good. But it's better than seeing Oregon anyway. That is just stale at this point, where uh, you just pop lion, you get a shield to push, and uh, you pretty much have control of basement. So if basement is a big no-no against coordinated team. Uh, I feel like Oregon will come back though later in the yeah, season. Yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. Just figure it Definitely out again. Will. But it, it's good to see map like Bank Cafe and Coastline are being the top game top map picked because uh it was getting annoying just to see oregon over and over and over yeah what's interesting is the coastline stats too now it was only played twice so it's it's a small sample size yeah, simple but it was hugely attack sided in terms of people just not being able to defend that penthouse and kitchen stuff like that i mean 13 attack wins versus four defense wins that's hugely over on the attack side uh so that's clearly not a map where things like uh realms are working out as well as just being able to hold the site just People are able to push Hall of Fame and VIP a lot better. But we also yeah. saw some interesting holds in terms of trying to hold that off, just not working out at all. Because people have kind of figured it out, and I think people are relying too much on Penthouse now. Probably, yeah. I mean, we've seen good strats on um, Kitchen on previous season, and I think people figured out Penthouse. And slowly getting a site that is harder and harder to hold, just because you can pretty much destroy everything from below. So... You kind of need control from below, but then you can't completely give up the bomb site itself because they can just hop in from the window or the hatch above. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, I mean, I think it's a bomb site that's going to be played a little bit less, but I don't think people are done just yet with it. Like we. Yeah. What's most likely going to happen is we're going to see new strats or new way to hold it. I think people are going to work on that based off the based off of the current meta. 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I imagine again it's going to shift next week uh, as teams are matching up against different teams, as teams take what they learn from their first week because everyone's just had one match so far. Yeah. So like everyone's had a chance to kind of feel out what worked and what didn't, and I, I imagine that there will be shifts. I mean, the maps. I, I expect to see maybe more bank because it seems to be the most balanced one just off the four games we saw. It was like 15 attack wins, 16 defense wins. That's pretty close. So I I think there's a good chance we'll see it still. Maybe not as top pick as it was this week, but yeah. it, seemed to, it seemed to work out for the most part in terms of being fairly balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy with it because I missed bank. It's been a while since we've seen a good match on bank and the first game between SK and uh, uh, Mouse... Uh, that was a pretty good game. I was hyped about it, and we they definitely both showed up and gave us a good bank, which hadn't happened in a while. Well, since the Invitational, but previous seasons, just regular seasons, we haven't seen a bunch of it. Yeah, I mean, it used to be one that was like big in more Latin America, EU, and then it kind of dropped yeah. off for a while. Oh but yeah, definitely. It it seems to be working out. Consulate actually died a little bit in favor this week too, because Consulate was pretty big, more so last mm -hmm. week. But it seems like uh, it's just two attacker favorite as well at the moment. But uh, that really depends on the match because the match we saw was not the greatest match. Like the uh, the the only two one that we had the entire week was from the DC versus Vitality one, formerly known as Supremacy. And uh, Supremacy seemed to like Consulate, but or Vitality. But both teams really struggled on all three of their maps. Like they just seemed to make a lot of mistakes, a lot yeah. of goof ups, um, just not playing that great. So it was like, I mean, yeah, Bibu didn't run into his own uh, Thermite Breach charge this time, but he, he <laughs> dropped an insane amount of kills. He was, like, uh, hugely up there. He had, what was it, a plus um, 21 or something like that? It was something crazy. Uh, yeah, plus yeah, 21. Like, definitely he pulled was carrying his team hard. He was. And it's sad to see uh, Vitality not uh, showing up big time like they did at the Invitational. Uh, well, at least as much. Uh, they seem a little bit more lost to me but uh, hopefully it's just it's an off week the yeah. they're a team that usually didn't adapt to the current new operators a lot of the time they used to just pretty much stick to the classic operators and so they just never struck me as a team that really adapts super fast to new to using new things so i can i can see why they didn't make it but it was i mean it, there was a lot of mistakes made as well from both teams yeah it can be just an off week but with the current way season work an off week is very unforgivable yeah, Hopefully I mean, it's surprising there, to see uh, so many two O's this week, considering this yeah. wasn't first seed versus eighth seed kind of things. It right. was a little bit closer in terms of ma how matches should have gone. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not much else to say. I, I was surprised it was two O two O on an A on EU. It was closer between uh, Vitality and DC, but Ants just getting two O like that. That was that was rough. That was rough. Yeah, that was. I, I imagine Wilkie's got to be rethinking a lot of stuff because it's not like uh, the other people on his team were doing too bad. Like, I mean, they weren't doing great either. Like, everyone went negative. Um, but, like, Boonsy showed up okay, and Uno did his job. Kanto's in, Panaria. But Wilkie was really kind of the, unfortunately, the dead weight that time, which is a big problem for that team. It is. And the next game uh, Ence is going to play is going to be against Vitality that didn't really play as well as they could but they're they're not a team to uh they're not an easy team to beat if they get the, their things together so it's going to be an interesting match and the winner of this match the loser of this match sorry is going to be out of the well the season so this is a possibility for ends to just be out second round first time not making to uh 
plan. That would be crazy. But it's yeah. possible. And Ranger makes a good point in the chat as well that uh, the seeding is from six months ago. Yeah, that's so yeah. that keep that in mind. Yeah, that the seeding is not a, but the seeding I think is still somewhat reflective of the teams in terms of like where they seem to be. But obviously the results speak for themselves in terms of where people are right now are pretty different. That's why I do think the losers bracket matches though should be a little closer. We're probably more likely to see two ones down there. Yeah, the see. <laughs> The, the Invitational is nice and all, but it, it messes up the season so much. There needs to be a smoother transition between it. Well, there will be, obviously, yeah. next time. I mean, obviously. Because there's no, no more winter break. No, that's true. That, that's a that's great fun. thing. Six-month season is yeah. it's good. I think we're, overall, this year is going to be exciting just because of that. Not even because of the so. game or the team playing. Just because of the format that's going to be interesting compared to what we have right now. Yeah. We also had some... Uh, some somewhat predictable games from Latin America as well this uh this week. I mean, phase 20ing yeah was pretty much what you'd expect. Um phase still playing strong. I think they're definitely one of the strongest contenders by far in Latin America right now. I mean, yeah. they showed up pretty good at uh, Invitational, unfortunately didn't make it all the way. Even though I thought it would be in finals. If like one team from Brazil would have been in final, I thought it would be phase, but uh, I was kind of sad. I think everyone thought it was going to be yeah. phase EG at the end, and then Rogue showed up good. And then uh, FaZe got dropped out, and it became uh, North yeah. America. One of North America, at least going forward, was nice to see. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I, I, I'll be honest. I hoped it would be a Rogue, but uh, it didn't. But EG played really well, so it was good either way that you know that they were in yeah. it. It was. I mean, it, uh, I was convinced it was Brazil's times to shine. But yeah, I was yeah. kind of sad when, uh, when they lost. But then again, I mean... NA on finals. I hey, well, if Brazil it. couldn't win in their own country, then uh, they're going to really struggle to finally win a yeah. land at some point at this rate. Yeah. I don't they... think there's use to the cold. Oh, yeah, that's got to be it. <laughs> that's got to be it. <laughs> yeah, Even honestly, though it was the... pretty hot, the, the, the week at the Invitational, it was hot. It was minus five or something. Yeah, hot for you, whatever, you Eskimo. <laughs> but uh, it was funny, too, because uh, constantly uh, seeing the Brazilians running back and forth past my room in the hotel in swim shorts running to the pool oh those God. guys are nuts like i don't know what it is with the weird weather but uh but yeah so and then, and then uh it was interesting too that it was like uh liquid versus brk because it's like new brk versus old brk yeah essentially and uh and they proved why they left one behind unfortunately for one yeah yeah, Not great for BRK. I haven't had time to rewatch uh, the whole game of uh, the Brazil scene yet, but uh, definitely going to be uh, looking back on it because two of phase and Team Liquid, probably the teams that we're going to be expecting. Oh yeah, far. And that's the two the, big orgs too. Yeah. Phase versus Liquid is a good matchup. And I mean, in two weeks they're going to be playing against each other for this, the, the 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 spot in the playoff. So that's yeah, going to that be a be. really good game. It's gonna be I think a crazy game. Outside of the ends one up thing, I think we're mostly seeing the teams that are the stronger teams that we would expect moving forward. I mean, the DC versus Vitality was was obviously pretty close. It was hard to say because DC hadn't really been a team technically. It was like you know three fifths of I don't know, but it was yeah. still like we weren't really sure how they were gonna gel. But Red Groove really showed up. The newer guy that they picked up from Moon Factory, he definitely performed for sure. Like and it was good to see the the Swede strength all working the together Swede. there. The Swedes, yeah, it worked it. Out they, good. I, I mean, they 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 pretty much stitch a team together. Uh, I say last minute, but it, it might be like maybe a month, or a month and a half. 
And they did well. I think they'll be even stronger next time off yeah, of this. Well, for sure. They can only like prove at this point. The more time they spend together, the more chemistry they get, the more the, like the better they are. Yeah. Simple as that. Speaking of, I don't know, they actually did win their Challenger League match as well, yep. so they're still moving forward despite uh, all the setbacks BP's had. So Challenger League uh, went interesting in terms of how things played out for there, because like in uh, North America, for example, we had the former VG slash most wanted team or whatever win theirs against UF, who are also minor and things yep. like that. So a lot of change-ups in who's a, the org or the team name constantly, especially in NA. But uh, it wasn't a huge surprise to see them win. But I thought it was really interesting to see NYL has just not been able to reclaim the strength that they once had, just getting stomped by uh, what was technically Maskoff before, now Team Gates. Maskoff is a team that like you know shows up occasionally in like, go-fours and qualifiers and stuff like that, but not never a team that I like, expect to be super strong. But uh, this season, definitely shutting down NYL hard. Mm -hmm. Well... The NA Challenger League is really, there's a really, really big gap between the top four and the bottom four. And yeah. it, it's only on rare occasion that we see the bottom four beating top four. Uh, and there's rarely a rotation between these teams unless some new teams are really good, but it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say the top four teams are going to make it. It was interesting to see uh, Tank Ninja's team over time that's now uh, unnamed. I believe is uh did win their fight though against uh what was formerly the one up team, the that yeah. had to change their name because you couldn't have two one ups I guess, and uh and so they yeah, they yeah. finally managed to get that. I mean I know that team has struggled for a while. Yeah, well, I I can't say I watched this uh, Challenger League side of uh, EU. Is it too much going on right now? It's yeah, there's too much. I honestly have no idea even what's going on with APAC at this point. I need to like. Oh, spend, APAC uh, is even week, more hard to follow. Next week, I'm just catching up. Yeah. If we need a separate, we'll have the A and Z guys their podcast. Maybe they'll uh, do a good recap of uh, APAC for us because hopefully we definitely can't keep track of all that stuff. Uh, I mean, we have some some people at CGG that do a good job of that. Like my whole team's dead and stuff like that. But it's uh, it's too much to keep track of. Too it's too uh, unstable as far as uh, the four regions as well in, in terms yeah. of teams. But I know APAC is pretty much still dominated as far as I know by Mind Freak at the moment, who took what they learned at Invitational oh, are really playing. With that. It, it dude, just playing at the Invitational on the stage for them was obviously for the for the second time a big, 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 big experience that they can yeah. totally bank on. Yeah, I mean, well, so I far mean, they, they won they two. A lot from the first invitational they played as well. They won two zero, one two zero, and I think it's fair to assume they'll they'll win two zero again. Yeah, well, probably I expect to see them at the the NA finals. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. If I mean, if one team from APAC, I had to guess on that would be Mind Freak for sure. Yeah, especially with Ions falling apart, that uh, definitely took yeah, that out of the exactly, running. exactly. That was probably their biggest contender, and now. Unless some teams show up big time and just improve in a really short amount of time, because getting the experience Mindfreak got at the Invitational is not going to be an easy team for a team that's only going to play online until yeah. up until the APAC Clan final, anyway. I just uh, I hope to see um, Cryptic doing well again, though. I know they're a team that's been a bit struggling uh, over the last year in terms of trying to get back to kind of their formal glory. So. Yeah, hope to see them succeed. Just because they're cool guys uh, from Singapore, good team. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I think the the only thing I'm really watching right now is Mind Freak, just because they have the experience and they showed up at the Invitational more than 
probably everyone thought it would anyway. And I uh, think from APAC, we, we can only expect uh, Mind Freak to come up top. This, this would be probably the biggest upset if they don't make it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't know if APAC's really going to have it all together as, as a overall region until maybe next year. Oh, but yeah. I'm, just... I'm giving them a year before they they do really good against NAEU and uh, Brazil. If they do better before that, I mean, good on them. That, that's only good for the scene, only good for the competition. But, uh, I mean, before... I Yeah. I don't see that happening before a year. Well, at least Mind Freak and Ainz both showed up at Invitational, did a good job there. Yeah. So I think that was a good inspiration for them to actually try a little more seriously. Mm -hmm. And now that the uh, but... Japanese team can uh, also get their uh, prize pool. Yeah. That, that, they have that a pretty, can only help. pretty big fan base there, too. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of people watching uh, Rainbow Six on uh, Japan. I think there was a stream the other day with uh, an impressive amount of uh, viewers. It was only Japanese. Yeah, hopefully they strengthen as a region in terms of esports for that because I think you know they've got potential. Ainz definitely had potential, although it you know kind of fell apart sadly. But it's uh it's it's just a matter of getting these regions to have enough good teams to compete with each other to really boost all of them up in terms of skill to be able to be to the level of playing other regions. Mm -hmm. But right now it's just been kind of a uh, difficult. Yeah, definitely. I mean. It's it's moving a lot. I mean, it, it it feels exactly like early NA and EU where people were moving around a little bit more. Uh, orgs were picking people up. They're not big orgs, but they're not just shady small orgs either. And a lot of these teams are also just made up org for from like five people to get together and get a name. There's yeah, some true. of it that's that, and it's just you know there are a couple of season lagging behind NA. They're having NA and EU and all brazil they they're having the same you know situation where roster move it's not as stable there's a bit more of a uh, movement between players between teams and that's just normal that's just part of it uh, at some point we'll just get more stable and more stable and you know they, they they'll work from that and just improve just got to give well, them time I mean, we'll see, because it seems like Latin America has gone almost the opposite direction. I felt like they had more kind of strong teams before, yeah. and I, I feel like they've gotten too insular in terms of them practicing against them, each themselves and maybe not getting to scrim at the regions as much. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but uh, I know there have been issues scrimming NA, and I feel like that's hurt them in terms of the way they're playing, because yeah. you see them playing almost ranked level, like because they, they know how each other plays, but they don't necessarily seem to play that good anymore it's well that's like, something well, about brazil uh, that i've noticed is they they play each other and counter strat hard the team they're playing against but if they're playing against a team that can just mid-game completely switch strat and come up with something good they'll have like a hard time just figuring this out they're not they're good at countering but if they don't know how to counter before the game they have a hard time adapting mid-round feel like more than EU and NA anyway yeah I, it's I mean they're the, the ones that are there the strong teams like FaZe and Liquid seem to be doing a lot better like mm -hmm. FaZe seems to be pretty strong all around still Liquid's picking up a little bit although to be fair they were playing against BRK which was not super strong so I think when we see uh Liquid versus FaZe we'll get a better idea where oh, Liquid that's really yeah. at that's gonna be good that's gonna be a good game I'm gonna be looking forward to that's for yeah, sure I hope so but I mean 
We'll see, because the other the other teams uh, seem to be struggling a bit. Yeah, is a decent team, but they need to like pick it up. They did play against what I think was the strongest team, so I think down in the losers bracket, we'll see a little bit more what Yaz potential is like against BRK. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think I would favor Yaz over BRK. I don't I think, think so BRK too. is really doing that great. So I think uh, Latin America just kind of needs to get it together and stop playing so ranked. So because not not this week, but last week, like first week, it was really bad in terms of. Uh, some of the some of the matches just were like watching like ranked level play and I was like I thought uh it was like some of the old APAC matches at that point. I was like, what's going on here in oh. terms of the play? Yeah, that's but uh I don't know what's going on with that. I mean it's mostly the same players though. They're not yeah. bringing a lot of new blood in. They're doing a lot of shuffling around in teams, but it's it's very NA like in terms of uh them kind of just shuffling around instead of uh, bringing in new blood. Like a lot of the teams that are newer are just formed from older ones like Merciless and Pain. So it's not like they're new players. They just kind of reform. Some of them reformed well, but nonetheless, it's not new blood. No, exactly. Um, I mean, moving on, the games that we're going to have this week EG SSG for NA. Yeah, that's. I mean, I feel bad for SSG. Uh, they didn't really show up as well no. as I would have liked last week. Exactly. So I hope they spent a lot of time like working on what didn't yeah, work. Two weeks ago, they. They had a pretty rough start. Like the, it, it was rough. It was really rough. It was almost uh, just draft. It felt like a draft strat where they didn't really know how to play uh, with each other. It was just uncoordinated and just pushing some stuff that their teammates would not was not covering, and they lose some like five v twos just randomly and just like throwing that completely so hopefully they'll get their like things together and improve on that because I, I feel like it was just a rough start but it, it's hard to tell yeah. maybe it's the meta either too that they they haven't figured completely out yet um even though they still won i mean it, it, it didn't play bad it was just not up to what we expected from ssg yeah i mean uh, we'll see if they could if they could show up better. It, it's obviously going to be very difficult to even take a map off of EG. Um, not impossible, depending on how they are in terms of certain maps. But you're really going to have to bring your best map. Uh, hopefully, one that EG's weak on. Otherwise, it's going to be a, an easy 2-0 for them because they work so hard to like make sure they stay on top. And uh, I mean, at this point, the the matchup I'm looking most forward to is EG versus Rogue in terms of NA, but I think uh, I'd at least like to see SSG show stronger, and that's that's all I can ask for from them yeah. is to show that they've got it together, because I have high expectations for that team that they just didn't necessarily meet uh, on week one. And, I mean, the second game between uh, Ronin and now called Soon TM, um, one of these teams is going to be out. What's your pick? Soon TM. Soon TM, all right. I think I, I think don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think Ronin has been struggling more than I like when they played in Challenger League. I don't know what's up with that. I don't yeah, know if it's because but, they changed well, their players. Well, it was players, the last minute but, changes. Yeah, yeah, like that that screws you over big time when you're already ha struggling as a team morale wise, and you lose one of your best players, and you have to swap people around like that. Like, I they were already like done before that match started. Like they were already morale wise done, but at the same time, like. I don't know. I think Era have been pretty done soon. TM We've been pretty done for a while, um, yeah. unless they get their act together. But because because uh, be... I mean I hate to say it this way, but Pingda is not an advantage anymore. So 
unfortunately. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be looking for an EG and SSG game. A little bit more than the second one. I don't think the second one is a lot of, like, makes uh, at, like, in place. But uh, one of these teams is going to be out, and you really don't want to miss the boat for the next season, because uh, yeah. that's a ticket for six months. Six months of Pro League is uh, a ticket you don't want to miss. You want yeah, that I golden mean, ticket. I would imagine Ronin at least want to try and do well enough to stay in Challenge League to not get dropped out. They need, yeah, um, they need because... to figure things out because it was uh, uncoordinated last week, and not last week, but two weeks ago against EG. But... Yeah, they're obviously the kind of team that if they if yeah. they don't win this next match, they're just going to disband. Like, there's no oh, way they're going to stick together. Sucks. I I don't think so because I think I think they just again I think morale is an issue for that team. I think they're struggling after that big hit they had on the roster and then getting kind of you know stomped of course because it's against dg what would you expect yeah well, but still like that that's not going to boost your morale when you're yeah, not doing great that's true. in the one match you get to play and now you're down to losers bracket i mean against against air like i think they have a better chance i think if they really put their all into it and like get their act together in terms of like the roster synergy and stuff i would like to see them come out on top and like really be a stronger team and like stick around and stuff like that but i i doubt Air are just going to roll over either so we'll see but Aaron needs to show good if they want to find a good org, right? Because they, they yeah. are orgless now. Yeah, They've still. unfortunately been with two orgs that have not been the greatest orgs in terms of like uh, reputation and supporting the teams well. So with that, they need to look work hard if they want an org that's actually reputable to actually support them well because uh, they certainly don't necessarily have it right now. No, uh, last, uh, was it last year? Last time they played though... Um... Sorry, I'm uh Snake Nade was playing, right? Yeah, it was like almost like when you watch Snake Nade. He, he did well. Like, he did uh, really well. Why bring Benji at this point? But but now it's gonna be interesting to see Benji playing and see uh how he's gonna do. Yeah, maybe Benji could swap out for someone else instead. Cause Snake definitely showed up. Like, cause he'd yeah. he'd always been kind of like, Oh, you know, like I'm I'm just bad now. I don't wanna I don't, Yeah, I don't I'm really doing it because anymore. I have to. Yeah. It was pretty much his like whole uh thinking or way of thinking about a game when he came in but definitely yeah. showed up i was like oh my god snake good it was, on you, it was more like old snake style play yeah, like it was exactly. good i mean not, not that he was like the best player on earth back in the day but he just felt more like how he used to play and uh you know maybe his constant streaming now is helping he's doing really well with his stream and i think that's great like i think uh, maybe that's helping his he, morale as well in terms of play honestly he probably came in the game saying you know what whatever fuck it i'm gonna have fun yeah and I just that have to out. play one match, whatever. Yeah, and that worked out pretty well because uh, there was probably not much stress on him as much as uh, before, anyway. Yeah, Benji will be a big question mark. I don't know if at this point, like, it's even worth picking up Benji just because he's more of an unknown yeah. in terms of the, rather than just keeping with Snake. But that's if Snake wants to stick around. Like, that's the big, you know, thing is, is he gonna want to stick around and play to that level, or is he just gonna kind of be like, oh, it was fun, I'm out, enjoy Benji. I mean, Benji's a friend of his, and, and that's part of why I'm sure Benji's there is because Probably. of Snake. But yeah, well, I mean, if, if anything in this game, that's what I'm gonna be looking for, looking how Benji is gonna do in that team. Because I mean, yeah. obviously they've been playing together in scrims and stuff for a while, but uh, on stream and in a game that people can actually watch, I don't think it ever happened yet. So it's gonna be definitely. Something to look for for this matchup and yeah well either team i think is not going to be a big surprise if they lose so 
I think there's a good chance that we will see Beast Coast relegate out one of these bottom teams, though. Um, East for, Coast, for yeah. Next... yeah. I like... mean, they, they won 2-0 just fine, but they won 2-0 without playing line, without <laughs> yeah, playing exactly. you know, the, the overpowered operators, yep. no blitz either. So I, I have some faith in those guys. I think Beast Coast have uh, a good chance of getting in Pro League, and obviously it's the season to do it. Well, next season. Finish, be done with that Challenger League season. I think it's going to be uh, fairly easy for them to do it because uh, they, they've been playing well ever since uh, the qualifiers. And Waffle is obviously a big uh, improvement on uh, their roster because he's a very solid uh, anchor who you can rely on. He's not he's not going to choke his shot. He's got a very good shot. And he's a... He's got an easy uh, personality to play with. He, he's not... Because I've played with a guy, I've met him like a couple of times IRL. He's an easy guy. It's just fun being around. So I think it's a big improvement on the roster, um, yeah. and they'll do just fine. I think I think started things started picking up well for them when they picked up Fox. He's not always the strongest player on the team in terms of fragging, but I think that's when they started really kind of looking up and then picking up Waffles, who he obviously already had a synergy with. I think is good mm -hmm. overall for that team. Like just in terms of them. Uh, being kind of in the right place right now. I mean, Breezy, I think, was a good player, but obviously they are a little more gelled now, a little more tight than they were before, and then they still got ZZ and uh, stuff like that. So, I don't know. I, I think there's a high expectation that they can take so. out ERA or uh, Rodin or one of these teams that are just really struggling this season. I think if a team is going to uh, pick a Pro League spot, I think it's going to be Beast Coast out of the Challenger League on NA. Yeah. It's gonna be It'll be interesting on EU though, in terms of like, is there is there a chance we'll see? I don't know. Finally, make it back. I hope we, so. We finally get to. I, hope I don't so. think they played that strong. Yeah, they won, but I don't think they were playing that great. Either. I don't know. I feel like they've they've kind of lost it over time. Maybe when they lost the Swedes, maybe the Swedes were you know an important part of that team, but they just don't seem to have the strength they used to, and uh, it's really been a struggle for them. I think for for BP to be able to get a team together that is working well enough to yeah. show pro league caliber play right now. Well, they obviously they need to do it. Uh, there was the first game they won. They, they, they had a rough time getting in challenger league too. That was surprising. And yeah. well, it, it's, it's nice to see they won. Uh, I think they won two. Oh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so good on them. They have to uh, a week to practice and just improve on that. Well, two weeks really. And uh, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll show up big time and be stronger. Uh, on the, on their next game because I'd like to see them back in pro league. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. And it depends on whether or not they can first off, you know, do well enough in Challenger League to be in relegations. And second off, whether or not there's a team they can beat in relegations from yeah. the pro league side because EU, obviously yeah. EU has a lot more teams and a lot more uh, potential good teams in a way. EU EU is even EU Challenger League is surprisingly strong. Yeah, it always has been, though. Yeah, it always has been, and it, it, it's nice to see. It's really, really nice to see it, uh, that much competition, even coming from Challenger League team. And that can just yeah. be good for the whole uh, scene in general. And NACL, though, like I feel like struggling is, is more. much weaker this, this time around. Struggling There's a more, lot of yeah. teams that just kind of slipped their way in there because there was four spots to take, and yeah. they... I mean, I don't know. We got a lot of ones that just kind of stuck it, in there that aren't, that aren't like, bad, but aren't great. It's like I said, I mean, top... Or challenger and bottom four challenger, the bottom four is always moving. The top four is a little bit more stable, but there's a big skill gap between it, just because of that. I, 
I do think there's a good chance, though, that we might now that teams are starting to stabilize a bit more and there's mm-hmm. going to be more interest from orgs in Challenger League. Yes. Because, you know, Pro League's just going to fill up with all the big orgs. And then that leaves the mid tier orgs the chance to pick up Challenger League teams and kind of invest in a team that they think has potential. Although, unfortunately, it. it's a riskier time to invest when uh, Challenger when, when Challenger League's only like half the season. Like yeah, there's going to be a three month of nothing gap in Challenger yeah, League. Yeah, that's no sucks. exposure for your org. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I think hopefully that will that kind of stuff will incentivize teams to disband less from from Challenger League, yeah. and so maybe we see a little more stability there, and then that will improve Challenger League as a whole overall by just having a bit more stability and maybe hopefully. less people just coming and going. Not that mean, that's worked for NYL, because I mean, if your base of Challenger League player is not good, then you don't get new people or new blood in the Pro League and you, you don't you don't challenge the Pro League as much because no. you, you're you're trying to get these uh these spots from Challenger team to Pro League. So it's you need to work on the Challenger League to make the Pro League better in the long run for sure. I mean I would say most of the time you usually don't pick up people for your team for roster replacements that haven't been in Pro League before. But the one big exception that I think did work out was someone like Uno, who came Uno, from Penta yeah. Academy. He was like he was from PS4 originally, and like that was a lucky pickup. That was one of those ones where you managed to get someone from outside that's new blood, yeah. and they are a good performer. I don't know how well he's gelling with the team because obviously we can't hear the comms, and even if we could, I don't speak Finnish. But uh, <laughs> I think I think he's you doing don't? a good job, and like st- opportunities like that are great for if you can perform really well. I do hope that uh, we're gonna see. Um, between R6 TMs and uh, the open ladder that's open now, maybe yep. we'll see a chance for some more fresh blood to kind of demonstrate their skill level. Oh, that's true. Because, I mean, you'll demonstrate your synergy level, your ability to kind of gel with others and work as a team player in R6 TM, but you're going to demonstrate your skill as a team in the open ladder. If people use it, obviously that uh, is something that NA doesn't seem to be too interested in a lot of the time, but like Maskoff, for example, is the kind of team that plays ladder sometimes, and they're and they're doing well now in terms of getting into least Challenger League. So I hope teams take it a little more seriously, because obviously we're going to have Go Fours continue to be Go Four level. It's not going to change anytime soon. So the ladder is the opportunity to really show like strength as a team a lot more often and a lot better. And I hope we see that people take it seriously because you know if people start taking it seriously i'll be willing to cast some just to bring some attention to a team if the team's really showing strong so we have a few like armada black and white are both up top in the ladder right now doing really well for uh for and hey so it's not like if you're a challenger league team that's a great way to get a lot more practice and try and get yourself up to pro league level quicker well especially in that three months downtime uh it's, it's going to be a way to keep scr- not scrimming because finding scream is not that hard but keep playing on a competition level with more at stakes than just a scrim. Yeah, scrims uh, aren't competitive level. The scrims are, yeah. have different purposes depending on what you're playing it for. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. You're not going to get the same level of practice. And so people like going off of like scrim results to try and make predictions generally tend to be very inaccurate. And uh, I kind of forgot about it, but it, you're, you're right. The open ladder is now open to everyone but APAC soon TM, I think. Yeah, I think I think they're working on that. According to BK, he made some phone calls, metaphorically or physically, whatever, uh, and uh, got that rolling. I think it's hopefully should take only a week or two at most to get them going. Yeah, well, the structure um, on APAC is a little bit more complex because you say yeah, I'm APAC, not sure how that's going to work. Like because four are they just going to open it to all of them? Yeah, because it's it, it, we say APAC, but APAC is like four sub region. So yeah, they, they, there's a little uh, 
fine-tuning that needs to happen there to make it uh, competitive and work for everyone. But I, I kind of forgot about it. So the open ladder is pretty much going to be the R6TM of teams that want to play as team against other team. Pretty much the yeah. same concept, right? You queue, you get a game, and uh, you play. Hopefully. I mean, it's it's going to be a slightly different system, but I, yeah, I hope you sure. can utilize it for that purpose of like... Because if you're trying to bring up a new team, trying to just wait for every Sunday to play a go for is is a horrible way to do it. I've well, seen that just constantly not you, work out because you get one shot, you know, every week. At you, most. you say play a go for. I think wait a go for would be a better. Oh yeah, you spend most of your time just staring at the bracket, hitting yeah. F five. Like, all right, is it? Are they done? Nope. Are they done? Nope. Can you like protest reach? And, that's what you. Yeah. That's what you practice on Sundays. You practice. Protests. You practice how to protest and how the system yeah. and the rules work. That's pretty much it's, it. It's terrible. It's a good way to get people's feet wet in terms of understanding the rules. For sure. But unfortunately, that sucks because that means there's a lot of teams that don't understand the rules mm -hmm. in there, like really screwing things up and making it hard for the teams that do. So just go for it. The way they're set up are just unfortunately too open of a bracket. I think a ladder system is a lot more appropriate for an so, open yeah. system. As opposed to like a go for where it's just like, it's it might as well be ranked sometimes. Might as well. So might as well. It's just a setup. People get in this and have no clue whatsoever how to properly install Moss, how to run Wire. You spend like fifteen to twenty minutes, which is not a long time, but after four game, fifteen twenty minutes turns into half an an hour and a half, and it's just. Now we're in a half waiting for some teams that has been doing it like properly for the whole tournament, but now they have to wait for some reason. Yeah, what well, I want to see in the ladder is uh, I want to see teams from Challenger League playing in the ladder, oh, but yeah. not teams from Pro League. Because well, I think the idea is that as a as a new team, you want to prove that you have the 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 ability to get into Challenger League, and the best way to prove that, of course, is playing actual matches against Challenger League level teams to really see where you where you stack up instead of just thinking you have it or don't. You really need to test that. And they'll have to do it because the, the three months downtime is really where it's going to be hard to stay as a team and stay motivated because you you're going to have to play the game, come up with strategy on a meta that you're not going to be playing at all. But you still need to do it because it's a process that's going to lead up to the next season. That requires a lot of motivation Motivation when you don't have anything to play those, uh, well, anything serious like competition or just a season to play the strategy you come up with on. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's going to work. We're probably going to see a little bit of instability in the teams unless they play in leagues like CCS and hopefully the open ladder will fill that gap. But There's that's also dream hacks, so yes, I hope that helps that, as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But hopefully the open ladder people participate in it because it, it's really reliant on how many people are going to play in it. Because yeah, it's it's the potential pool of team playing in it is not super high to begin with, or at least to have a good quality team playing in it. So, because I I don't think people in pro league will bother at all. So it's challenger league and people who play a little bit below challenger league. So uh, some CCS team and some teams that don't play anything. But yeah, the pool of teams is not super high. So hopefully it's gonna work. And I'm talking for NA because I'm sure EU will have no problem about it. There's like million team, a bajillion team playing every go for. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like I I hope a lot of this pressure on uh, on 
Ubi and ESL to do something about that three month break work. I've I've even uh, told talked to Ubi specifically about it in the sense that like if nothing's going on, I'll run a freaking tournament for the teams just to give them something to do. And then there's yeah. at least CCS and stuff like that as well that will hopefully give them some chance yeah. to stay warm and fresh. Obviously not going to be the same as Challenger League, just, but it, it will give them something. Just staying motivated. That's the hardest part. Yeah, trying to try because you see the disbands that happen during the winter break, which yeah. again the winter break will be gone. No more winter breaks from this point forward, uh, mm-hmm. for the for this foreseeable future at least. So that will help with disbands not happening as bad. But for Challenger League level, yeah, we're gonna have to worry about a lot of disbanding shuffling going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all right. I I hope they have plans that they haven't talked about for Challenger League because it, it it just feels like they. Like, I haven't thought about it at all and just are not wanting to improve much on it. Like, it's good to have a pro league that's now going to be interesting to watch, interesting to follow, and for the players, also interesting to play. Because the format is going to be way better, but Challenger League just feels forgotten. Like, yeah. they, they, they don't know what they want to do with it. They, they have it. They, they, they keep supporting it, but it, there's no improvement on it. And it's just, yeah. it feels weird because it, it really is the base of the pyramid to build your whole league and your whole system and everything, pretty much. Because if you want to be in Pro uh, League, you need to go through Challenger League. So They've you... just spent a lot of time thinking about what to do with the Pro League and, and yeah. doing all that stuff. And I think that's really just distracted them from dealing the with the challenger league i think it's just in terms of like you have to have priorities and the, the clear priority is going to be pro league well yeah especially now that the big orgs involved like mm-hmm. that's a lot of oh, money sure. to focus on but once that starts filling up and attention starts coming on challenger league obviously they will pay attention to challenger league it's just a question of when that priority shift happens mm-hmm. that they actually start taking it serious there's still a chance they could change their mind and do something different for the next season uh and not have what we talked about but as as it stands right now, the current plan is that there will only be a three-month Challenger League, and it'll be during the second half of Pro League. So after yeah. this Challenger League, there will be a three-month gap. But that's just the current plan. Hopefully they change that around, um, or at least we get something else that will help with that. But I, I do know that it's a struggle sometimes to sell the importance of Challenger League to to uh, ESL and Ubisoft mm-hmm. just in terms of their priorities are very much a Pro League. We talk about it all the time that like this Pro League season is almost forgettable in yeah. comparison to the fact of how it's important just... next one is, how exciting next one is. But this one's more like the, okay, we need to not fuck this one up so we can stick around for the next one. Kind yes. Of I mean, that, that's the, really, literally the only thing that's at stake on this season for most teams. Because, uh, I mean, top teams, obviously, they want a prize pool, but it, it really yeah. is just staying in Pro League or trying to make it in Pro League because that guarantees you playing for six months. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the thing. is like huge. you wanted to win your first match, right? Because that guaranteed you this spot in staying mm-hmm. for next season. Now, the question is, of course, you still have to fight for uh, for land spot. Yeah. But land spot's not as important, I would say, as the six-month season coming up. Because oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're a team and you're depending on uh, your org to pay your salary to live, a six-month guarantee on your contract is it's a lot better than good. just a land event prize pool in, yes. in this sense right now. Mm-hmm. In, in the sense of stability and just... Being able to do it a little bit more, or maybe even stepping aside from your job a little bit, like just getting, I don't know, work part-time instead of full-time, just to focus a little bit more on the game. Guaranteed six months in Pro League is huge. It's way better than the price pool you can get, even though the price pool is going to be interesting, because I think the next LAN is going to be like uh, 250k again, probably. 
I think it's fair to assume that. If not more. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll go with some kind of like community uh, prize pool thing too in the future where they like have more people buy it to, mm -hmm. uh, to try and grow that continually. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the nice thing about this game is that they're continually trying to improve stuff and trying to make sure that they're working on the strengths. doesn't always work out as we no. see from the current format. doesn't always work out. It's a, it's a rough path to perfection. Say that. At least the nice thing is with R6TMs, you can get a good preview of how some of it will work mm -hmm. right now and get, a, get an idea of like how it feels to, to play and watch hey. the, the attack defense changes and the operator pick bans. And there's a lot of people who... If, uh, I mean, I'm talking about the R6TMs format, which is you play five round on defense and then five round on offense, and then over time it's just switch every round, so offense, defense, offense, defense. And I gotta say... This is way more enjoyable than the current way of playing games, which is offense, defense, offense, defense. Anyone who 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 is skeptical of it should try playing it first, it is watching really good. it, because it's it, nice. It, it's nice. It feels good, and like I I said earlier uh, this week, I think it's going to be easier for new players just to understand, because when you keep switching roles, you you get your you know your structured defense setup on defense and you're like okay so we did that something went wrong but then you switch to offense and you kind of forget uh the general feel of how and what what went wrong but now it's just if you mess up your defense setup you can redo it instantly and just improve on what you did wrong and just right away try it out and I think for new players, it's going to be better and more intuitive to learn the game. And the, yeah. the curve, the learning curve is going to be a little bit less steep than it is right now. It'll, it'll make it a lot easier for me as an analyst as well to be yeah. able to, A, remember stuff better. Because, like, if an operator changeup happens, you know, between two rounds, it's a lot easier to remember that if it's the previous round than two rounds ago. It's a lot easier to keep track of which bomb sites they've played and uh, see how they rotate them. And uh, I think it's more interesting to talk about the change-ups mm -hmm. when you can directly see them as a spectator versus me having to try and recap what was two rounds ago. And the, the, sad, the only sad thing is it, it's not going to be, or at least there's no announcement about it, but it, I don't think it's going to be in rank the way the rounds are playing right now. But I think for the new player, it would be much more easier to... Maybe 2019 the after they try it out for you know the six yeah. months, maybe they'll, they'll uh, look at rolling that out for the next year. Maybe. Probably. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, they can do a lot of changes during the seasons and yeah. stuff like that for I mean it's pretty much rent. just a number to switch right so yeah what, what i'm interested in too and i'm not sure if this was ever clarified is how you decide whether to start attack or defense so for example mm. right now the way that's decided is whoever picked the map the other team gets to pick starting side but now that it's best of one no team is picking the map and therefore how do you decide is it just coin flip i don't know i mean in, in traditional sports a lot of times it's coin flips mm -hmm. So the big question is, is it going to be a coin flip or not? Because uh, it, with it being first to six right now, that in a sense, I mean, it's best of 10, but a lot of times it's first to six. Yeah. Um, ends up in a situation where pretty much uh, if you are really good at one side versus the other and you can win all five or most of your five, you have to win very few of the other side. So let's say you're playing a map that's heavily attack sided and you get attacked first, it's not like the current system where that can go back and forth and trade, and yeah, you have a mathematical one-round advantage. No, you have a mathematical five-round advantage now. Yeah, so well, if, if you win that much on defense, the other, and it's because the, like, the bomb side is easy, well, the other team should do as well, 
Uh, they, they should be good on defense as well and just win five rounds. I, I don't think it matters. I mean, obviously, it's in well, people's head and they just get discouraged. But... Do. Like, we, we see in the, like we were talking about the stats earlier, certain places, uh, certain bomb sites, certain maps tend to be a lot more attacker sided. Like we were talking about coastline earlier. Mm -hmm. So, on coastline, for example, in the current meta, getting attack first would be a huge advantage because it's not like you have to, you're guaranteed to play out all 10 rounds to decide who's the winner. If you make it to six first, if you win all five and then win one round of defense by being somehow the slightly better defending team, that's it. You win. Like oh, you're slight you're the slightly hard. better team anyway, so you should win. You'll you'll win I, on the, the other format I, anyway. I, I, I just mean, think people I agree, get discouraged because of it, but it's just a number. There's no momentum, there's no economy, there's no nothing in Rainbow Six. When you start a round, it's it's a clean, fresh round where anything can happen. You just need to figure your things out as a team and just improve on that. But there's no like system like CSGO where you can get a momentum with economy and you just like crush the enemy's economy and now they can't buy anything and you have rivals and they're stuck with uh, the clock and they, they have no armor. So obviously you should win this round. But in Rainbow CSGO Six, there's no like, such thing. Attack and defense are a bit different in, in CSGO. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's as much asymmetry in CSGO. It's, no, no, it's mostly true. just like... I mean, yeah, they have some different weapons. Yeah, they play slightly different, and they have a different goal in a sense. But it, bomb in uh, siege is, is, I think, uh, a little more favors favoritizing uh, one side versus the other sometimes. Yeah, maybe. I'm not but... saying it's going to completely debalance the game. I'm just saying like how we decide who starts what side is going to be important. Yeah, well, I, I still think there's no momentum in Rainbow Six other than psychological one, and you, you need to be able to control yeah. that uh, if it's psychological you need to be able to just clear that out and focus on the round that you're playing right now and not think about oh we lost the last five round we're shit no just you know they were on defense now you're on defense you can do it too if they yeah. did it i guess i'm anticipating a lot of complaints and people blaming yeah. uh starting sides for the reason they yeah, won well, or lost people tend to blame things yeah. that are not themselves a lot Absolutely. Well, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, I mean, we can see how it plays out in our 6 TMs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But so I'm, far, I'm definitely excited to see how it plays out. From my experience, it's really, really fun. Really, really I agree. fun. Absolutely. I, I think it's definitely the better way to go. And I think it will be a big uh, plus for the game. Mm -hmm. The operator pick bands, though, will definitely be interesting in terms yes. of... Yes. Uh, I mean, we've seen some bits here and there at the Invitational, but uh, not an actual game being played with it, right? Especially with the sixth pick thing, right? So yeah. the thing is, like, it's we talk about the picking bans all the time, but we rarely talk about the fact that teams are now going to see what the other team picks in terms of their five operators. That's a big deal because normally defenders are at a little bit of disadvantage in, in some sense of that because drones are going to identify the other uh, defending operators whereas the defenders can't identify the attackers until prep phase is over and even then only if they catch them on cameras and stuff like that so the fact that it's going to be revealed without necessarily having to do the intel work outside of the sixth pick thing so you're going to know potentially four out of five i say potentially because you don't know who the sixth pick is mm -hmm. you don't know who i mean changes you, it up. you can you so. can keep your operator switch it so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Like, I think that's going to be a, a big psychological mind game to it. It's going to be, for example, trap operators are going to be a big possibility yeah. for six pick, right? Because that's like you want to keep those a little bit more secret, but at the same time, drones still could catch those out. Whereas uh, for attacking operators, 
it'd be interesting just because like now you have the whole hard breacher thing right in terms yes. of determining uh looking at the defensive setup do i bring a hard breacher like you see castle picked and you're like oh maybe i should bring some more soft breachers things like that are i think are going to become part of uh the, the prep phase like the, that whole mind game that goes back and forth and it's going to make i think operator picks a little more interesting especially mm -hmm. with five yeah. rounds in a row of the same side um there's going to be a lot more to talk about and pay attention to in terms of operator picks because and, of that and then throw the bands in on top of that and like suddenly yes. people can't play mira or smoke or something that, that's making the pre like the pre-game a whole lot more interesting because now you have like the, the map banning phase then depending on the map people are going to ban operators and it's just going to be fun to see fun to interact with because you know on some maps it might be vital to just ban uh mira but on some other maps mira is good yes but it, she's not op and you like your team have a, a good strategy to deal with it so you're not going to ban her but instead you're going to ban hibana and the other team is going to ban thermite so it's going to be a frag fest I think it's going to be interesting just for the viewer to get some different meta on the same season, which is going to be longer. And I think it's going to be important for some teams to go back and watch Pro League from uh, maybe not uh, season one and season two of year one, but uh, from season three moving up because the first two seasons were really just frag fest all over. Yeah, I would like to see them introduce some other kind of breacher maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, we have good soft breachers. Like we have a good variety of those. I'm yeah. not worried about soft breachers. Hard breachers. I don't know if we necessarily need another hard breacher. I mean, at first it didn't seem like we did, but then Habana definitely shined in terms of hatches and the way they differentiated that actually worked out pretty well, uh, for the most part. But maybe we need something in terms of attackers that, like, say, can open a hole in a floor, like a destructible floor that you can actually drop through. So they don't necessarily need a hatch. Like they can create a hatch essentially, yeah. like maybe you know one or two or something. I I don't know what it is. I mean that's Ubisoft's job to determine that. But I do think if we start seeing a lot of, uh, I mean obviously they can watch too and see like, oh, are we seeing hard destructors like banned a lot? But uh, maybe yeah. we need to introduce something new that's uh, not a hard destructor, but that is a breacher. I don't think people will ban hard breacher uh, like I don't think two of them. Two. Of, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think it's going to be like yeah. okay, we're on bank. It applies to both teams, just to be yeah. clear. To yeah, exactly. That. And I think it's going to be like okay, we're playing bank. The hatch are very important, so let's ban Hibana. Yeah. But then again, you say okay, it's I want to, I want to, I don't. Maybe I don't want to ban Hibana. Maybe I want to ban something else. But if I ban something else. I gotta rely on the other team banning Ibana, and if they don't ban Ibana, well, everyone has Ibana. So there's a lot of mind games going on uh, with that uh, ban phase, and it's gonna be interesting to see what teams are prepper, uh, prepared for uh, this ban phase and see if they like they can anticipate what the enemy team is gonna do. Well, it'll help teams uh, like look at each other's strengths, and and so let's say one team has like a really good. Ying player like one up yeah. for example and the other team doesn't really care about playing Ying they're going to ban Ying so that Hungary is like oh crap I need another good main so stuff like that where there's really strong players of a certain kind like if I'm playing against Redeemer I'm going to ban Echo you know stuff like that where you just uh, are, are counter banning to the other team having a particularly strong operator that they're really good at or Glaz or Blitz in Latin America against certain teams so I think that will probably yeah. play out maybe a little bit more in terms of teams playing a to their strengths and against the other team's strengths, maybe more so than not just the map itself, but also really disabling some of the, the, the really top things that that team can do against you. And also something in the ban phase that people often forget is on defense, yes, you can go for 
banning Mira, but there's a lot of operators that are, I'm just going to say Smoke. Smoke is really good because he can do everything. He's got a good gun for mid-range, short, and even long-range with the SMG-11. He's got a shotgun for close, close range, but uh, more, more than that, he's got a shotgun for destructibility and just making rotation holes and angles and opening stuff. And if you ban Smoke and, let's say, the other team ban Miras, well, you need an alternative to who you're going to use who has a good shotgun enough to open walls and do your general setup. So this is something that I think we'll see too. Banning uh, utility operators more than just straight up OP operators. Yeah. Well, anyways, again, that's uh, that's all coming next season. So yeah. we got to wait a little bit to see how that goes. Can't but I can't wait. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's a good amount of uh, talk for the, today. Make sure to tune in to BR6 as well. That'll be uh, on tonight yes. uh, for to see some Latin America play. I think that should be fun. It's a good way because it's the pro-level team, so you actually get some good preview of what might be going on on the following Wednesday. Yeah, it's mostly the so, same teams as Pro League, right? Yeah. It's just a Brazilian-only yeah. uh, Pro League, yeah, right? I'm trying to get a clean feed to be able to cast it with Fox A, but uh, getting a clean feed from them has been a bit of a struggle at the moment. So sadly, it's still not going to be an English stream tonight. Uh, still working on it, though. Hopefully be able to get that going before that season ends. But, mm -hmm. uh, but definitely check that out. Even if you just watch it in Portuguese, um, it's good to see what these teams are doing and get some ideas for what, how the meta could be shifting as it's still fairly fresh right now. Yes. Right there with you. More game. Yeah. The more game we have access to, the better. So... Need the harder my job out. gets, but the, yeah, the I mean, more fun it is. I mean, you need to figure it out. <laughs> you need to figure it out. That's um, your speaking job. of which, I also uh, am <laughs> trying to revamp Breaching Siege uh, so that it's not like, because it seemed like kind of a dead site. So I decided <laughs> to uh, to kind of revamp it a little bit. I, I put all the uh, current teams up, so they're at the top of the page. All the, the previous uh, matches um, are up there with the results and the VODs linked in them as well. The next two weeks of matches are also scheduled on there. Um, and I will, you know, update the results as those go through. Uh, I'm not sure what else I'm going to do. I'm going to try and probably do some analysis stuff on the site that we'll probably also post cross post over to CGG. Um, so try not to overlap with what CGG is doing, just rather be complementary sister sites. So hopefully that will be good. Obviously, if you have some good ideas, what you think I should be doing with that, as well as additional feedback for CGG, make sure we know uh, what you guys think so that it's stuff you guys want to check out. As well as the podcast, if you guys have feedback for what you'd like to see us talk about on the podcast. Yeah, we don't get a I lot of feedback. Yeah, we, we, we need feedback because obviously uh, we want to make sure this is something you guys want to tune into. Right now, we're just kind of going with the default of talking about the previous week's matches. But if that's boring to you guys and you already watched them and don't care, then let us know what you'd like to see. Uh, we are trying to get some guests. We were trying to get Esley today, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to confirm in time. Um, so uh, we will definitely try and bring in some guests in the future here. Uh, to make it a little bit uh, a variety in terms of what we talk about. And if you have guests that you'd like to suggest, feel free to do so as well. And mm -hmm. leave us feedback, preferably on the Reddit, so it can be more of a discussion. Or if you uh, are more Twitter savvy, go for that as well. I mean, there's still the the feed on uh, Discord. Not the feed, but on Discord. I think there's uh, some ways we can get some feedback yeah. from there too. Absolutely. So whichever is yeah. easy for you, we'll, we'll just try to reach uh, for these uh, feedback wherever they are. To make sure they're available and easily accessible so we can actually read it yeah and if you're checking this out on youtube afterwards uh keep in mind this is streamed live as well so if you'd like to come in in the future and ask questions and stuff like that we do read the chat and try and interact a bit as i've mentioned a few times 
Uh, so come mm -hmm. in, participate. I think it's great to have you guys here. I know we have a smaller audience for the live stream. Could be due to time, could be due to whatever, maybe lack of interest. I don't know at this point, but like, let us know and then uh, <laughs> come come check it out. You know, check it out live once and uh, if, you, if you like it, stick around and we'll try and make sure this is worth your guys' time every weekend. Yes, and I think we're doing a good job at interacting a little bit more with chat this time because uh, previously it was a little bit harder, but uh, slowly we're trying to figure it out, may, uh, being more comfortable around everything that's going Absolutely. on. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, thanks, Helby, of course, for being co-host as always. And uh, thanks everyone enjoy. for tuning in and participating in the chat. It's been awesome. And uh, we've had a good time. All right. Bye-bye. Catch you guys next Sunday.